I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a continuation of the discussion of loose, loose versus tight, how we think about the art we're making, and how we approach the page. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 468, Loose Part 2. And if you heard episode 467, you know that things just got a little long, long long-winded. And as I listened through, I just decided to break it up. It helps with a lot of things to have those shows be a little bit shorter. And so it was an abrupt and unplanned break. And I apologize if I set you up at the beginning of that show saying this, this, and this will happen. And then two of those things will be in this show. So if you didn't catch 467, please go back and listen. It sort of sets the whole stage. And we'll continue that in this show Part of what led me to thinking about that loose versus tight and that really sense of, wow, how did I get so tight? That mentality, what is going on? That really all hinged upon pulling out a couple of different sketchbooks from my shelves. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that in this show. And part of that discussion is really about graphic novel paneling and that approach, that sort of cartoon approach, it doesn't mean that graphic noveling is a loose approach. But when I let myself work in that way, it requires something looser from me, more in the conceptual willing to do this sort of approach. So I wanted to clarify that. And this is in no way meaning, oh, all of you should go do cartoons. That is also not the point. It just happens to be part of what is really important to me, part of what I think I have gotten too far away from. And this loose versus tight, I think, is really integral to the whole conversation and mindset and shift. Now, after recording all of this, I still have been thinking a lot about it and still looking at what I'm doing. And I am not completely sure that I can follow my own advice in some ways. I'm definitely working on it, but I do think it's complicated. And I also have found myself arguing back and forth saying, well, there's a difference between your illustrated journal and a sketchbook. So I still have some thinking to do, but first let's go ahead. I'm going to just play out the rest of what was the previous episode, what initially was a single episode and talk about these two different projects or different sketchbooks that I pulled down and what I think they have to say, how all of this plays into, again, the kind of illustrated journaling I'm doing. And then at the end, there are 10 sort of strategies, things you can try if you feel like you're a little bit tight or are looking for ways to sort of just get onto the page a little bit differently. And some of those may or may not be things that are great fits for you, but if you're really struggling or just feeling like you can't sort of break out of 
some mindset about how things are supposed to be, those things might be able to just help you loosen up a little bit. And that's the goal. So here we go with the rest of episode 468. I've been really pretty happy with my sketchbook practice over the last several years. At least this practice has been going on three or four years now, this specific practice. And I've been working pretty much in the same way that I'm now doing my illustrated journal pages. The size of the paper has changed a few times, a long stint of several sketchbooks in the A4 size, which I now think is really my sweet spot, and then a year of filling that very big A3, which I enjoyed, but I still think it might be a little big. And then I shrunk back down to a 10 by 10, and now I'm in something a little smaller. That's all okay. The size of the box, the container, the sketchbook has shifted, but my approach has been somewhat consistent. This illustrated journal thing that I've been doing and the Illustrate Your Week process that has come out of it has been fairly consistent. Before the first 50 before 50 journal, I had several kinds of sketchbooks that fed into this process that led me maybe to this door. The year before that, I know I was filling a Hobonichi and using a very similar approach, similar mindset, much smaller format. And if I go even farther back, there are lots of examples of this, lots of them. Back when I was doing Everyday Matters type of things, inspired by Danny Gregory, of course, there's always been some kind of illustrated journal happening. But it's only been the last few years that I would say I've really had this really consistent approach and that it's been my one major thing. If I go back just to the start of the 50 before 50, that journal, there were a lot of cartoon panels. I always refer to it as graphic noveling. I'm a huge graphic novel reader, and so that's really what it is, and that's how I call it, but I'll use both terms. You know what I mean. It was an essential part of what I was doing, what I was doing when I started the 50 before 50 journal and lots and lots of it before that. So somewhere along the way in the time since that first 50 before 50 and now, there's been a shift. And that's what I really noticed. And that's partly what I feel like is all related to this tightening up. And I feel like the loss of looseness coincides with a loss of cartooning, a loss of the graphic novel vibe that I hold closest to my creative goals. It's such a strange jolt. I've enjoyed the process of the illustrated journal all along. I still do. I love it. I feel pretty sure that I do think that A4 is the sweet spot for me. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's got its Goldilocks shimmer to it, which doesn't mean I won't use an A3 again, but I I think at a minimum, probably A4 is good for me for how I like to get a lot of different stuff on the page. Even in the smaller space, I'm enjoying the illustrated journal approach to my creative life and my creative habit. And it is my daily, my ride or die. It's my creative routine. If I didn't enjoy it and didn't love it, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't keep doing it. I do what I love. 
unabashedly, I do what I love. My creative life boils down to that. I do what I love. I do things that have meaning to me, and I always tell you to do the same. And it might mean that I have to put other crafts and art forms in a closet so that I don't feel so scattered. But whatever one thing that I keep doing, whatever it is, I fully intend to love it. And this illustrated journaling space that I've carved for myself with Illustrate Your Week is an embodiment of that guiding premise. Do what you love. Do what has meaning. And at the end of the day, this for me is it, this illustrated journal page. I've had this podcast for a long time, and I didn't start out knowing that, but I know that now. And I'm okay with the things that that sort of means I've given up. So I've been enjoying myself and Illustrate Your Week very much. And thank you to those of you who have tried it a time or two, or who do it with some regularity, or who at least take a look at the prompts every week. I appreciate those of you who even give them a thumbs up. But at the start of this whole series, there was a real graphic novel through line, a real underlying thread. There was often a tell your story in three panels or something like that. There were often graphic novel prompts in the Illustrate Your Week sets. So there was that through line and it was a shiny thread. It was a shiny thread. It was one that was trying to hold its own. It's very loose and quirky self up against portraiture. All those portraits, they do try and take up all the space. And I mean that both figuratively and literally, they do try to take up all the space. They want to hog the page, the entire page. They just want to take all the space up because they do not know how to be little. They really don't. They take up all the space and they want to suck up all the air. But wait, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. Aren't they someone else's story? argues the cartoon balloons that are being pushed into the margins. Aren't aren't those people other people? What about me? I saw this thing happen. I felt this thing. I've been thinking this thing. I got this idea. What about me? There's this cartoon person and cartoon life. This person that wants to document life in that way that's sort of been pushed off into the margins. So what if you have a picture of them and know exactly how to try and draw them? Yes, they are pretty, or full of hair, very hairy, or wrinkled, or charming, or moody, or sad. But what about those of us here in the panels, in these little boxes, ready to hold the frames of your stories? There is this real dichotomy between the loose and the tight. And partly it's because I do have a picture of the portrait to draw from. I picked up two different old sketchbooks recently that really made me stop and think about all of this, about what I'm doing, and really made me wonder how I've gotten so tight, so constrained, so maybe in my own way. The first sketchbook I picked up contains a 100-day project from a few years ago, series of contours, and There was a podcast or a few about it at the time because I was really big on this project. I loved it so much. And I know one of the shows was Slice of Life, and that one looks like it was episode 356. So my premise was simple, really simple. I had chosen something super simple for my 100 days, but I completely loved the whole time that I did it. 
I would snap a series of people as I saw them in passing, capturing multiple images as they moved. So I was specifically looking at snapping these pictures to get their feet in different positions or their hands in different positions or their bodies shifting weight. And then I would draw two or three from the series or even four using a really loose contour line and attempt at one line contour, not blind, that wasn't it, but loosely a one line contour. I wasn't chained to it being exactly one line. Yes, I picked up my pen sometimes, but for the most part, I was trying for this one line thing. Overall, it was incredibly loose and it was so freeing. It was so relaxing just to draw these contours of these people. It was so informative for me. Just so cool. I felt like they were coming to life. I could see these people in motion. It was nice to just relax my grip on the pen and just work it out, getting that outline in. Now, that process had an innate looseness for me. I've seen people who do one-line contour very, very, very slowly, very precisely. And so I know it can be a really tight process, but it can also be a loose one. So I was doing it that way, loose, relatively fast. I was definitely not laboring over these contours. I was just starting and following it and doing it. I was inviting that wonkiness, appreciating the quirky shapes, looking at how arms and legs hang and move and how pants fall against ankles and how shoes go, hats, all of it. I just, I loved it. It was a way to draw bodies and a range of people without getting caught up in every angle and every detail, every shadow. I loved seeing the people side by side, the changes, those little changes in their positions. I really, really just enjoyed it. The movement of a hand or the tilt of a head wonkiness to the contours and yet it's one of my favorite series ever I have a lot of favorites I do but there was something really alive about doing those and I think it's partly because they were loose it was just a perfect series for me at the time and when I flipped through those pages recently I was just taken right back to it how much I enjoyed it and I still like looking at them I totally still like flipping through those I think it's one of the best series I've ever worked on And I've had some favorites. And I thought, I really need to do more of that. It was loose. And after that, I know I did continue doing contours in my illustrated journal. I remember lots of these one-liners meandering across the page, drawings overlapping and running into one another in a really loose flat line, but it was very graphic in some way. I enjoyed it and it was loose. Those things don't necessarily look polished or finished in the way that other drawings might. They're simple. They don't have any shading, hatching, or depth, none of the line work that I typically do, and yet they always make me smile. They're finished as is. They're loose. They did something that I think was really important for me. So I looked at those contours of people and thought, yeah, I need to do that again. And then I picked up another sketchbook. Now, I had these sketchbooks down from a shelf partly because I had been contemplating what sketchbook from my shelves to use, and I used to use these black sketchbooks specifically. They were spiral-bound. Probably I was just much less finicky or picky about my paper. Maybe it's just because I worked differently at the time. I don't know. Uh, Probably the fact that I use fountain pen ink almost exclusively now has a difference 
in what I need and what I'm looking at, but I used to use these black spiral bound ones. And so I thought, well, let me pull those down and see what they were, if I can tell how thick that paper felt, did I see any bleeding, etc. And so I opened up one and it is not the first in its series, but it is a sketchbook solely of graphic novel panels. Now, a long time ago, I had a one thing a day. <laughs> I do a one thing a day a lot, but I had a long time ago, a one thing a day approach to keeping a daily record. And it was that I recorded something, one thing a day in a graphic novel style, but all on the same page. But it was just one thing. So every day, one thing, something I saw, it might have been a street sign or a statue in a yard or a shoe that was on the shelf, whatever, one thing. And so they were chronologically oriented. And so it would be the month of May and I would start with one and I would just have this, all these things on the page. And that was graphic novel style. No, it wasn't Marvel comics. No, it's not like that. That's not really how I work when I say that. And there are tons and tons of graphic novelists who do something much more line work oriented and simplified. And it wasn't an external or made up story. It wasn't even trying to be a story. It was just a daily record of this one thing a day told in panels and boxes and dialogue and thought balloons and simplified cartoon drawings. For a couple of years in a row, I kept trying to recommit to this every May. It became this May thing. And I just loved that process. And so by the time I had reached the journal that I pulled, I wasn't just doing one thing anymore. I was really documenting my day in graphic novel style. How did I lose this? I think all of that played into what I ended up with when I started the 50 before 50 journal. And that's why there was a bunch of it there. I thought that would be my MO moving forward. I was doing it. I was loving it, but I was having more trouble sharing it probably because it's a little less finished. If you go back to the podcast where I talk about the graphic novel journal series, you know how meaningful that practice was to me. I talked about it a lot. Yet slowly, I had sort of lost a little bit of this and wasn't even really noticing that I lost it. I think Illustrate Your Week and the way I approached the 50 before 50 documentation, it really grew out of that process. But there were lots of other things coming to the page and portraits definitely is a big one. And Portraits is really at odds with that other part of me, with the graphic novel part. And then when I first ran into the sketchnote handbook and I started really seeing how I could shift and broaden and combine a lot of things, my graphic novel stuff and my documentation and my notes and all of this into one place in a different way that was sort of uniquely mine, but building out of this other skill set too and sort of really internalizing some of that, I really started shifting how I thought about the recording and the combining of elements on a page, turning all of it into some zany sketchnote graphic novel style capturing of life. And that's what I now call Illustrate Your Week. What I really wanted to do was all of it somehow. I still do. And the Illustrated Journal became the place for that, for all of it. But somehow I tightened up almost imperceptibly to myself. So I wanted to do all of it my way, meaning as I define it, doing what I love, and I am, and yet I need to open the door up a little bit and loosen it up a little bit. Some of the things I love 
I have gotten a little bit of a cold shoulder because I got in my way. I still love what I'm doing, but in looking at the old sketchbooks, I see the difference. The graphic novel one is totally cartoon-like in feel. You understand it that way. It's loose in some ways, even as it's reined in in other ways. It still has this looseness, and I miss that. And I held on to it in the early days of Illustrate Your Week. Lots of panels and stories told in panels, just simple things. Me trying to keep working at this thing that I love most. Somewhere along the way, I lost part of what made me me. Maybe it happened around the time I started using circles instead of boxes. That seems really odd. At the same time, that seems really obvious, but still kind of odd. Boxes, though, versus circles, maybe obvious. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not related. But I think back and I think when I use boxes, I'm way more likely to have this really graphic sensibility. So I don't know, there's still been some cartoon boxes throughout, but something shifted and maybe the shapes part of it. I don't know. Maybe that's just the easy target. (laughs) Bullseye target. (laughs) Entertain myself a little bit of wordplay if you're still awake. But so I held this sketchbook, I looked at it, pages and pages of notes and comic format. There's lots of text. It's still text heavy. There's lots of, it's all black and white. I definitely have my own approach. I wasn't worried about whether or not I knew how to draw things exactly right. The problem I have with being able to draw just whatever needs to be shown has always been an issue. I didn't just suddenly develop this problem. It's always been an issue. It's always been a frustration because I so want to be able to do this. But I was working around it. And I wasn't as loose as other people might be. And I wasn't as confident but I was giving things a try. I was showing those panels back from the Oregon trips long, long ago. And deep down, I truly believe that only with repetition do we improve, with practice, with the continued doing, even when it seems hard or impossible or fruitless or hopeless. I think we get better because we keep doing it. But we have to be able to embrace the stages of doing it, and we have to be willing to commit to those stages of doing it. That particular book, it picks up in May 2017, and like I said, it's smaller than what I've been using. It's probably close to what I'm using now. The pages are chock full. No big surprise there, right? They're chock full, totally full, but not with marks and fill-in. They're full differently. They're full of notes and cartoon boxes and headlines and illustrations. And they don't really tell a story, but they narrate days. And each day's numbered, and the days just roll through the pages, so it's very chronological. And I think that's got a lot to do with maybe what's happened to me too. Chronology versus composition. Mm, There's something there that I've been really thinking through chronology as the determining factor for filling space versus composition. Chronology is the impetus for composition versus a more deliberated composition. Yeah, I think all of that's maybe a little bit part of it. So why can't I do this now? I asked myself, why am I so tight? Why can't I do this? Why why do I resist? Why am I not willing to do this? Why did I stop trying to do this? As I flipped through the pages, I noticed some things. Some pages are penciled and not inked. They're left raw because that was okay. I didn't have to finish it. 
It's hard to catch up with inking. If you're trying to get it all down, it's hard to catch up. The pages cover more than two years. There are some gaps, but always when they pick up again, there's a similar feel. And there's some shifting in style. Like I said, I can really see the influence of other things like sketchnoting, how that changed a little bit, how I was doing, what I was trying, little pivots, me experimenting a little bit. But there's still something that unifies the pages, unifies the book. We each have our own voice, our own way of illustrating and filling space and telling a story and filling a cartoon panel, filling boxes, choosing what to show. Then there is a lot of pencil, a lot of ink pages that never got erased to remove those messy sketched lines, and that's okay too. I was struck looking through by the fact that so many pages were left in pencil. I really was, that I was doing the work and just going ahead and moving on, which is what you have to do to keep up, even if I didn't get back to the page to ink later, didn't have time. I was really glad to be able to pull it down and see all of that. If I had stopped to ink everything, I wouldn't have drawn some of the other stuff. I have to loosen back up. I've gotten lost in the trees somehow, maybe trees of my own imagination, my own making. Maybe these trees aren't really there, but I've gotten somehow lost in them. It feels a little hard to admit. I keep arguing with myself a little bit. That's why I didn't show up last week. I think maybe it's true because even once I said that to myself and I maybe drew a panel or two and thought, I can't show those pages. And then I looked at the portrait on the next page and thought, see, I see. Yeah. That portrait, I had that photo and it looks a lot like it. Ooh, it's hard. It's hard to negotiate with ourselves. And it's hard to really stick with some of the things we want to do when it's harder than some of the other things. I've got so much in my head now telling me how to do these pages that I I wonder if I'm getting in my own way. And when you want to draw anything in cartoon box style, you just can't get in your own way. You just can't care if anyone laughs or looks askance and secretly thinks, well, that doesn't look like X, Y, or Z. Or, wow, the perspective of that room is a mess. Or, doesn't she know that she got those hands backwards? All of these things happen to me, and you just have to be able to think, yep, It's okay. Or gee, the human arm simply doesn't bend that way. I mean, spaghetti arms. You've got to just tune things out and go ahead and get the details down. And I'm not suggesting that you all need to go draw cartoons. But I do think there's probably something that if you loosen up, you might do. You got to work it. You got to ink it, refine it or not. I want to ink all of it. But the simple reality is it's not possible. And clearly, I was doing a much better job back then, just letting myself get a lot of stuff down and just just doing it. And I was loving it. And I wasn't letting it hold me up if I didn't get back to it. Just keep moving forward. And yes, yes, you're thinking, why don't you just work in ink? Well, yeah, you can. And that's not an argument that I'm overly interested in. Sometimes I do work that way, just in ink. But typically not. I'm really content with my pencil first approach. It's comfortable for me and that's okay. So I don't know where I'm at right now. My pages over the last week have mostly still been, that's not true. I think I can see the shift. I can see myself working at loosening up. Maybe there will be some changes. Maybe I will go ahead and shift back to a larger 
sketchbook because that gives me the space to do a little bit of all of it on the same page. And it's that on the same page that I'm really after. I did start integrating some one-line contour a few weeks ago here and there in my journal, and that's partly because I'd been thinking about this. I'm really glad to start doing that again. That depends on me snapping these photos when I'm out and about, so I have to be thinking about it. First of all, I've got to be, oh yeah, i got to take some pictures, so I have to be noticing. And since I no longer own my own car, I am really not even out and about that much, but I do hope to start amassing some of those photos again and start adding that in again because I really do enjoy that. And then the other, the graphic novel level, I'm working on it. I am working on it. Working on making it fit, quieting my inner critic, getting back to some of that on the page. I don't want to lose the portraits though. And that's when I realized that, no, I don't just want to go back to that other book. I want to do it all. I want to do both. I don't want to lose the portraits or the fill-in, the drawings. I just want to bring the panels back in. Even if I struggle with how to draw what's in them and how to show what I want to show, I can't explain the tug. I know most of you probably don't get it at all. And most of you probably don't get why it's hard for me, but it is. There's really something about it for me. And I know it's not my prettiest work. And that's sort of at the heart of the problem, right? So lots to think about. I don't know what loose looks like to you, but you might stop and ask yourself, do I feel willing to just be loose on the page? Or am I afraid to be that way? Do I feel tight and cramped on the page? Do I have some worry about how things will look or some voice in my head telling me how the page should be, how it should look, how finished it should be, or how pretty? I think you should ask yourself those questions and then look at your pages and see, are you in your own way? Are you doing what you think you're supposed to be doing? Or are you doing what you want to do? Here are 10 things you can try that might let you add something a little bit looser to your pages. And these are not all things I do, but these are all things that might help you if you're feeling a little bit tight. One, if fear of the page is causing you to simply not use the page, then try drawing a series of boxes. It could be a different shape. It could actually be circles. But try drawing a series of boxes, not little bitty ones. Just draw, depending on your page, four, six, nine. And then draw something in a box each day. That is a strategy that takes something really tidy, the boxes, the really simple container, gives you a nice contained space to fill in, But it makes it easier sometimes to contemplate. You don't have the big space. You have a smaller space and you can just put anything in it. And if you spill over the box, that's okay too. And if you decide to fill all the boxes in one day, awesome. That's great. If you find a big box is just still too intimidating, little boxes are wonderful because you can't fit a ton in them and you can be really loose. A couple of lines or a part of a face or a part of a dog little icon, part of a logo. You can be pretty loose in a really small space like that and feel really good about it afterwards. It's a great way to start inhabiting your space. Number two, turn what you're drawing upside down. This 
isn't a strategy I use, but lots of you do. I know a lot of people try to take credit for it, but I know lots of people who do this and lots of people who advocate it as a way to work on your drawing. People I know who do it swear by it. So if you feel intimidated by whatever you're drawing, if you just can't get out of your way in terms of what you think it's supposed to look like, and you're working from a photo or a magazine page or something like that, then turn it around. Draw it upside down. It helps you focus on the space differently. Helps you sort of detach from what you know is happening. And just make sure to rotate your paper too. So it's definitely worth trying that. A lot of people really, really, really find that helpful. Number three, try drawing with your non-dominant hand. If you're really tight and really caught up in something that feels overly precise and overly worried about being so precise, then work on small drawings or big drawings with your non-dominant hand. For most of us, that is really sure to generate something looser and less controlled than our typical work. Number four, try blind contour or one line contour. I like one line personally. Some people really like blind. I like one line. If you do it, try and do it with looseness as a goal. Try to loosen up. Don't get all caught up in every single little bitty nook and cranny really slowly. Do it quicker. Force yourself to just do it quicker. Just get the contour in. Don't stress about how you get one line to the other spot either. If, if you're doing one line, it's okay. Just go ahead. If you need to lift, fine. But otherwise, just go ahead and drag your pen across to the next point. All of those extra lines, they generate something that is looser. They give it a little bit of a different energy. Give it a try. Number five, write all over a page and then draw on top of it. And if you don't know what to write, just go copy down some poem and then draw all over it. Force yourself to just draw on top and not worry about what's being covered up. Just don't worry about it. Have these two layers and just work it out. Number six, try timed drawings. Now, personally, I find super fast timed drawings stressful, not relaxing and not loose for me. These come up in a lot of different places and I've done them. I find really fast ones don't work for me. They might work for you. But I still think time drawings can be really, really helpful. I think there's something to be learned by using a timer and just going with whatever you can get done in that time before it buzzes or before the timer goes off. So try five minutes and just tell yourself it's fine. However much you get done in the five minutes is great. And if you have extra time, do another five minutes of the same drawing, even if you want, right next to the one you just did. You'll have two then, and you'll see how these things work out. But it's a good way just to loosen up and just sort of let yourself go. Number seven, work directly in ink and just let it go. And I mentioned before, I don't always do that. I don't even usually do that, but sometimes I do. I don't think it's better to work directly in ink. I know people get caught up in that, in whether or not somebody just drew straight in ink or not. I don't really think it matters. I really don't. But in this context, just working in ink can help you loosen up if you let yourself just accept the lines and go with it. And I would say, don't be super sketchy. If you try this, go ahead and draw. Be intentional with your lines as you're drawing. Don't be super sketchy with the ink, just draw. And then number eight would be the opposite of that. Use a pencil and leave the pencil. And this would be working really sketchy and letting yourself 
have lots of lines and be okay with that, that you're shaping it on the page, that you're working out those lines and sizes and relationships and perspectives and then leave it. Or if you feel like you want to add some inking on top, leave the undersketch, just leave it. You'll be able to see sort of that history of it. Don't clean it up. Let it be loose. Embrace your rough work. Number nine, change your scale. This can be a loosening thing, specifically if you tend to work really small. So if that's you, then do a drawing that takes a full page. Go ahead and use the space. If you already work large, then forcing yourself to go small is probably not going to help you loosen up. So this one is specifically for people who work really small. To go small to big. Number 10, change your tool. This is a pretty standard suggestion. It isn't one that I use. (laughs) I am not a crayon user. I'm sorry. And a lot of people just love it and do awesome stuff with it. I'm not. So exercises like this don't really loosen me up. They stress me out. So you know you and you do you. But if that doesn't bother you, then I'm adding it here because I know that for some people, this can make a big difference. Just get a different tool. It doesn't need to be crayons. That's just an example. But maybe it's markers or maybe it's neo colors or maybe it's pulling out watercolor or using a broad tipped pen rather than an ultra fine or switching to red ink instead of black. A shift in medium can help loosen up your thinking. It really can. And I think the combinations of these 10 things can be helpful. Take a different medium and a timer and a box or use a different pen and do a series of contours or combine any of these things. The goal is just to get more relaxed in your work, to loosen up a bit, let yourself feel at ease on the page, to embrace seeing that pages can hold both the tight and the loose. If you tend to work more tightly or define yourself as a perfectionist or get really caught up in having things look as finished as possible before you share them, then I think it's worth considering if maybe you need at least some exercises that force you to loosen up. Find some ways to do that, some things that you want to do, some things that do that. And mindful mark making can be really loose if you let it be. Our journals and sketchbooks should not be stressful places. But we have to remind ourselves from time to time that the goal isn't really the pretty page to post on social media. It's not really. It's not the end all goal. The goal is more about the art page that we fill. And there may be much to be gained and to learn from some loosening up. I am the art the art is me. And that is it. Thank you for listening to this show and the last show and any of the other shows that you have listened to. I definitely appreciate those of you who tune in and who make the CMP part of your podcast listening uh, experience or lineup, your list, your short list or your queue. So I really do appreciate it. I am still here and still planning on being around. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. 
You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy and at YouTube as oamyoamy as well. And if you're interested in a small group or joining us for Sunday coffee online, we do that in the CMP group at Facebook. I'd love to see you there. And anyone who is looking for a very small and casual and very informal weekly group to draw with, definitely drop me a message and see if you might want to try that out. Thank you to those of you who support the show in any way, including Kofi and the Amazon wishlist and Patreon at patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. 